0: Uh, We are delighted to be joined by Pacers play-by-play announcer, Chris Denary. Chris, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Glad to be with you, Cody and Tyler. Uh, Glad to uh, restart the season. It it feels like it should be a new season, but it's uh, the continuation of an old season.
0: Yeah, and I know we're going to dive into a lot of Pacers topics, um, but... Since uh, both Tyler and I are here in the Crawfordsville area, Wabash area, Chris, I know you have very special ties um, to the city of Crawfordsville and Wabash. I know, Tyler, you were one to kind of talk about that as well, so I'll let you take the floor.
2: Yeah, Chris, uh, you know, with Cody and I both being from this area, uh, I'm assuming you have some great memories from Wabash. Uh, What was your favorite part of Uh, the school and your, you know, really the town, your time in this area.
1: Yeah, it was a a, a really neat time for me from 1979 to 1983, and that's a long, long time ago. I mean, that's uh, uh, 40-plus years. But, um, you know, I I went to Wabash, uh, one, because I knew it was a great academic setting, but I also wanted to play basketball, and I was very impressed with what at a very – early part of his coaching career what Mac Petty had built um, at yeah. and you know we were very fortunate my junior year to win the national championship at the Division three level. Um, you know Pete Metzlars uh, who played in the NFL for 17 or 18 years was our starting center. Uh, we had a great group of guys. Uh, one of my best friends um, who unfortunately passed away uh, about six to seven months after we graduated was Carrie Seward, and Kerry was uh, from Crawfordsville, a hometown kid, and he was one of my best friends. So, um, you know, it was a really special time for me. Uh, I was a Sigma Chi on the Wabash campus. I was pretty active all over campus. Uh, When I set foot on campus, I started at the radio station. I started doing the football play-by-play when I was a sophomore. Um, So, I really knew that you know, that was something that I wanted to do. I was sort of the rare Wabash person. You know, most of them, most of the guys there are, are going to law school or med school, or they're going to be a banker. Or they're going to own a business. And I was that guy that wanted to be a broadcaster. So, you know, fortunately it's turned out really well for me and, uh, you know, Wabash played a huge part in, of it. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: And Chris, um, kind of along those same lines, um, I'm guessing you've been keeping up with everything uh, Wabash-related a little bit. I know they made – the North Coast Athletic Conference made the unfortunate decision um, to postpone all athletics until – at least until January 1st. And I know um, that probably with you being associated with Wabash, Wabash Athletics, um, that has had to have some impact on you maybe a little bit?
1: yeah i mean you know it's so difficult i mean this has been a time unlike anything we've seen um in in my lifetime um you know to to go through um, a spring where in indiana and virtually all over the country most uh you know high school sports was canceled um there was no ncaa basketball championship all of ncaa spring sports are canceled i mean it's been you know it's just been a difficult time and um you know it's been difficult for all of us i think all of us in some form have known people that have either gotten very sick or in my case I, i've known a number of people who have passed away from covid 19. so um you're just trying to be as safe as you can and, and i don't know if there are any right answers i mean you hate to be uh, a false sports um you know, campaign, whether it be high school or college, canceled or postponed, but you also want to be safe. So, uh, yeah, it'll be difficult, um, you know, especially with Wabash and that new stadium that they, the little giant stadium with the new press box and the new homestands, you know, they were going to host DePaul and the Monon Bell game, and I've had a chance to do the Monon Bell game on television. So it's all very, very difficult. Um, You know, we're all just hoping we get through this healthy and safe, Mm-hmm. And can somehow get back to some normal semblance of life, let alone sports.
0: Yeah, and um, speaking of kind of getting back to normal, um, I've just really enjoyed these past few, uh, this last week, week and a half of getting back and watching sports in general. And that includes the Pacers who did wrap up their uh, three exhibition games, which... Quint or Crit, I about called you Quinn Buckner. I apologize, Crit. But um, hey, nothing, nothing, nothing could be worse than that. I mean, the guy's a legend. So I had no problem with that. <laughs> but uh, you and Quinn Buckner both called the three scrimmage games. Um, Pacers finished with a record of two and one in those games. So, what were your overall thoughts on how the team performed um, as we're gearing up for Saturday?
1: Well, I I thought I I saw some good things. I watched a lot of games uh, over the last week. Uh, Each team had three scrimmages. I thought the play was better than I thought it would be. Um, Clearly, when you haven't played in four and a half months and teams weren't together uh, during the uh, break, I mean, this this is unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, normally during the summer, guys are playing five on five. They're... Doing individual workouts at their respective practice facilities. I mean, that just didn't happen until late June. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with the level of play, the quality of play. I'm uh, sure there was some sloppiness, but but I thought guys uh, are, are in pretty good shape. Shot the ball pretty well. Um, I thought the Pacers in the first couple of games played uh, pretty well, and and I thought for the most part in the San Antonio in the third scrimmage they played. They played well they just didn't win um you've got you're you're trying to do this without Demontis sabonis who's out with plantar fasciitis you're talking about an all-star that averages 18 points 12 rebounds and five assists so they're playing a little bit different they're playing smaller Uh, you've got victor oladipo playing Uh, i thought he was really good in the second game against dallas when he had 16 points hit four threes and had seven rebounds he's trying to find himself but uh, you know, it all starts for real on Saturday uh, in a in a big-time matchup for the Pacers in the first game against Philadelphia. Currently, they have the identical records. Pacers right now have the tiebreaker, so they're the five-seed in the East, and Philadelphia's the sixth. So if you win that game, uh, I mean, that's going to be huge for the Pacers because, one, you would then have a full one-game advantage, and with seven to play, you'd also have the tiebreaker. So, uh, Saturday's game right out of the gate is very, very important for
2: the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, I agree that, uh, you know, that game is huge, especially when you look to, you know, the the whole seeding thing. I, I like the Pacers' chances if they were to match up against uh, Miami, but not, not as much against Boston, because that's a big game for seeding. But the big unknown is how teams will play in this bubble, because I think you could see a scenario where some teams kind of thrive in this environment and some of them, you know, may struggle. But um, one reason I like the Pacers chances, you know, depending on if those guys come back or not and play is because, you know, Miami was much better in their home uh, stadium compared to uh, on the road. So we'll see how that goes. But the question that Pacers fans have really been asking for probably three or four years now is can this team – win a playoff series um so what are your thoughts on their chances of possibly making it to the second round
1: well no that's a that's a big thing and, and and clearly they've been close if you think about um you know the playoff series uh, you know with Paul George when they went seven to Toronto uh, they had the seven game series uh, a couple of years ago with LeBron and Cleveland um last year was tough because they didn't have Oladipo and it was a four-game sweep by Boston, even though all those games were fairly close. Um, what's interesting is, is you're sort of looking at matchups and you're not worried about home court advantage because there is no home court advantage. Um, sure, when you watch a game, what they're doing virtually, if it is your home game and it is the Pacers home game on Saturday, you'll see more of a Pacers flavor, but still, it's it's not a true home court advantage. So All of these seeding games are important for seeding from a standpoint who you play. You know, if you're the four or the five, it doesn't really matter because um, home court advantage doesn't mean anything. It's a seven-game series uh, virtually on the same floor against the same opponent each and every night. So, yeah, I mean, this is something this franchise wants to do. They want to get back to the success that they had. In the first round back in 2012 2013 2014 you know unfortunately back then they were eliminated by lebron james and if you think about it it's been lebron james who's been in the way he's eliminated the pacers five times since 2012. yeah Uh, it's (laughs) it's sort of a reminder of of back in the 90s when the pacers couldn't get through michael jordan Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't get through LeBron. I guess the good news is LeBron's in the West now. Uh, But uh, any of those matchups will be difficult. Um, I, quite frankly, would be intrigued. As you said, I'd love to see the Miami Pacers matchup, um, and and that very well
0: could happen. Chris, um, talking about that Miami matchup, um, and Tyler and I have kind of talked about it on the show and in prior episodes, the Pacers play the Heat twice um, in this final eight-game regular um, season and then could potentially, if the series goes seven games, the Pacers and Heat could see each other a total of nine times in a matter of handful a handful of weeks. So they would get awfully familiar with one another.
1: Oh, no question. I mean, you're right. Two out of the last three in the seeding games uh, sandwiched around a game against Houston. And then you're right. You could in a seven game series, that's nine games out of 10. Um, I think it'd be intriguing, uh, you know, to see it. Uh, I think we remember the uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, T.J. Warren uh, (laughs) uh, thing at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So um, they're a good team. I've always been impressed with Eric Spolstra. He's an outstanding coach. Um, even though he had Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James, you still have to coach those guys, and he was able to win two titles. So yeah. I, yeah. I put up past him. Uh, they're a really good three-point shooting team. I mean, they take a lot of threes, Duncan Robinson, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. Uh, so they're a team that you've got to watch because they, they can get hot from three-point range.
0: Yeah, and the, talking about the you- – alluded to it a little um, earlier, Chris Pacers will be without um, Sabonis for, it looks like the foreseeable future um, and maybe the entire postseason as he's dealing with plantar fascia Um, and Sabonis just did a little bit of, you mentioned it, 18 points, 12 boards, one of the best, I think passing big men that right up there, I think with Jokic and others, that we have in the game and it kind of seems like that I was going back and thinking about this the other day. You talk about Danny Granger, um then we have Paul George, we had Victor Oladipo now battling his knee injury and now we lose Sabonis. It kind of seems like the Pacers just can't catch a break with their big time star players and injuries and it just is happening at the wrong time it seems like yeah it's unfortunate because if you look at
1: this year as well um you know i give a lot of credit to nate mcmillan and his staff because they're the fifth seed 39 and 26 uh they've missed some 160 games due to injuries uh their starting lineup that they hope to have of uh, warren sabonis turner oladipo and brogdon has played six games together uh, brogdon <laughs> yep. and oladipo have played 10 games together so yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, sometimes things just don't go your way, and and the Pacers are in this situation. But I, I still I still think I like what this team could do. They're going to have to play yeah. a little bit differently. Uh, they've moved Aaron Holiday into the starting lineup. Um, they'll play a little smaller. They'll play the three guard offense. Uh, Sabonis is so good, not just from a scoring and rebounding standpoint, because he really. Initiates helps initiate the offense. A lot of dribble handoffs. He's a good screen setter good low post presence. So they're definitely going to miss Sabonis. They just have to figure out a different way to play. Uh, I I think one of the keys for this team is going to be the second unit. Uh, TJ McConnell really pushes the pace uh, finds guys like Justin holiday and Doug McDermott who are having career high three point uh, shooting years. So uh, I still there's I still think there's a lot to like about this team. They just have to play a little bit different.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Chris, what do you think is maybe the biggest storyline for this, you know, bubble season for the Pacers outside of trying to win around in the playoffs and outside of health? Um, is there anything that you think for maybe the future that's important to see here? Or do you think? you know, this, this little bubble may be so different from next season that it won't matter as much, or is it kind of like, you know, learning to play faster? Is it uh, the development of Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday? Is there anything in there that you think, let's say they don't win a playoff series that they can get and take with it into the future?
1: Well, I I think the one thing about this, this group is they're all under contract for next year uh, from a starting standpoint. And we know that Victor Oladipo is in the final year of his contract and He's coming back off the injury, and um, I want to see what this group can do um, healthy or whole. Now, there's always no guarantee, but we just haven't seen enough. Um, The other piece is I I think you're going to see a little bit different Miles Turner. I've been very impressed in the two games or scrimmages that he played. Uh, Looks a lot more comfortable back to the basket. Looks to play a lot more physical. Um, I think, I think at the end of the first part of the year, late February, March, when the Pacers won eight of 11, he and Sabonis played as well together as, as I've seen in the last two years. So, um, it, to me, I'm not sure I can totally judge what's going to happen in the bubble. Um, fairly, Uh, I still want to see more from this group and it, it will be interesting to see it'll be the first time in a few years that the pacers will really have continuity coming back because if you think about it three years ago you traded paul george you brought in victor oladipo um you you brought in uh sabonis um you, you signed boyan bogdanovich you had Thad young and then last year you basically turned it over again because you lost bogdanovich and thad young Uh, in free agency, Uh, Darren Collison retired, Corey Joseph went um, to Sacramento, right there's four guys who played key roles in your rotation. So next year to me um, has the opportunity to really have some continuity and see how you can measure yourself against the rest of the league.
0: And Chris Tyler and I have been kind of going back and forth on how where we think this team can be. And I thought you brought up a great point. We just haven't seen this starting five and this team fully 100% healthy. And I think a lot of fans and everyone is getting on Nate McMillan a little bit too much for, but you brought up what he's still, despite Vic's injury and despite all the things that have happened, um, During his tenure, he still has the Pacers consistently in that four to five to six range in terms of playoff seating and everything like that. So to be to get back to where the Pacers were in that kind of where, the, where they were taking on LeBron and the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, do you think this team we just need to see more? of this team and they can potentially get there or do you think we're kind of maybe a piece away two pieces away something like that yeah i mean i think you always have to
1: look and and potentially add and and let's not forget um you're without jeremy lamb i mean Lamb was a starter for most of the year and then was i mean he was signed eventually to come off the bench and play behind victor ladipo and this is a guy that Uh, Averaged 15 points a game a year ago in Charlotte as the running mate to Kemba Walker. So that's why I'm really intrigued by the group that you have. Do you want to go out and make wholesale changes again? And then you're sort of restarting it. And the Pacers have done well in that regard. I mean, uh, each of the last two years prior to this year, they won 48 games and they won 48 games last year. Um, you know, with, with, with a group and then they were on target to win 48 games this year um, with a, a totally new group from, from a, a standpoint. So uh, me personally, I'd, i really like to see what this group could do. Um, I, I won't judge to me. I won't really judge anything um, more on what happens down in the bubble. I'm hopeful that they have the opportunity to advance and, and play on into uh, uh, September and maybe even into October, but I I'd like to see what this group could do um, together and healthy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. The, the future looks bright. Um, I I've long been saying even through, you know, even before all this happened that, you know, next year is the year to really look out for the Pacers. Hopefully you get people healthy and, you know, seeing all the Depot and Brogdon together and uh, you know, they, make a tweak here and there and, and, uh, that could be pretty good. Um, but Chris on kind of, uh, a, maybe, uh, a, a, this could be a tough question for you to answer, um, or maybe a little weird question to for you to answer but, um, looking back in all of your years with the Pacers, do you have like a favorite memory as far as like one of your calls, like at the end of a game or, uh, you know, you and Quinn, um, you know, some kind of, uh, memorable, uh, moment, you know, from the broadcasting side.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it it's it's difficult just from the standpoint that um in those years of 2012 13 and 14 once the first round is over we don't get a call the games anymore so uh there were some terrific games i remember when the pacers beat the knicks in game six um in the eastern conference semifinals um you know i was just sitting courtside um i i would have to say um I think it was a year ago when the Pacers beat the Lakers by 40. Uh, and that was my birthday. I mean, I, you know, just to see LeBron James, and, and I think LeBron James is head and shoulders one of the top five players of all time. I, I, I don't know if he's the best. I'm still a Michael Jordan guy. Uh, but, but to see the Pacers do that to the Lakers and LeBron with all of the pain that he's uh, exacted on the Pacers over the year, that was pretty good. Victor Oladipo's three to beat the Celtics uh, last year, I thought was a lot of fun, and I, I I thought I had a a good call on that. Um, To see him hit the three-point shot to force overtime against the Bulls in his comeback this year, um, you know, there's been there probably been a lot of close games over the years. I've done it 14 years now, Um, so I probably have more of a top 10 then I would have maybe one, two, or three.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, And speaking of Victor Oladipo, um, he – and I could be wrong in saying this. I, mean, Chris, if you've heard anything, or Tyler, please correct me. But he still hasn't officially made an announcement if he's playing on Saturday and in the regular season games. Am I correct by saying that?
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen anything official. He did meet with uh, our TV guys today. Jeremiah Johnson, our sideline reporter, Mm -hmm. uh, did interviews with uh, about four or five of the other players. So I'm assuming that by doing those interviews that he is going to play. I still, you know, we don't know what uh, the the setup is for him from an entirety standpoint as far as the seeding games are concerned. Um, I guess I would be surprised in that first back-to-back, or the only back-to-back the Pacers have. They play the Sixers on Saturday, and then Washington on Monday, and Orlando on Tuesday. Uh, just because of his injury situation and just the rehab and all that, uh, I might be surprised if he would play in both of those games. Yeah. Uh, but he has not come out and said anything yet, and I think we're just waiting for him to make make the statement. I'm assuming he is going to play. I mean, he played in all three uh, scrimmages, and, and I thought, for the most part, looked good. Um, you know, didn't shoot it as well in games one and three as he shot it in games two. Uh, but uh, I think, again, he was just trying to find a rhythm, uh, trying to find his conditioning, and just trying to get comfortable because, again, he only played 13 games in the regular season. He played 10 of those with Malcolm Brogdon. Guys, I think that's the other thing. I mean, I mentioned that the starters have only played six games together in 84 minutes. Brogdon and Oladipo have played 10 games together, 240 minutes. That's just not a huge sample size. And, and right. I really want to see those two guys together because I think they can be pretty dynamic on both ends, on both the offensive and defensive end of the floor.
0: And Chris uh... – Tyler and I have made kind of our predictions as we've been looking at the Orlando schedule um, without, I mean, we've tried to make them with Oladipo and Sabonis uh, without Vic. And now the latest is well, we're going to have to probably make them without Sabonis and have Vic there. So <laughs> it's kind of an ever changing puzzle. I guess, is we try and kind of figure out how the Pacers are going to perform. Tyler and I kind of agreed on a four and four record, at, maybe at best a five and three. Um, as you look at the schedule, um, what would be your idea or what would be your prediction in terms of how that eight game schedule shapes out?
1: Well, it's, you know, your last four are tough. You've got the Lakers who have the best record in the West. You have Miami twice, and you have Houston. I guess part of uh, the Lakers and Houston situation is how do they attack these seeding games, especially in the final week. If they have, the Lakers should have the number one seed locked up, so who's going to play? Um, Same with Houston down the stretch. Um, The Washington, Orlando, and Phoenix games, I think are very important because Washington doesn't have Bradley Beal. Uh, They've got a very young roster down in Orlando. Uh, The Magic are holding on to one of the final playoff spots. And Phoenix could all be but eliminated by the time the Pacers play them. And they're a fairly young team as well. So to me, those are the three uh, Washington, Orlando, Phoenix. I don't want to say they're must win, but they're games that, that you need to win. Because of the other five, if you can win three of the five, or even if you win two of the five, I think that's, as you said, you'd have a five and three record. But the biggest game is going to be that first one with Philadelphia. Because um, you win that game, you own the tiebreaker. And then if you're tied with Philadelphia at the end, then you would have the higher seed. And again, the seed doesn't matter from home court because there is no home court. But the seed could matter in who your first-round opponent is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was at least glad of, that uh, in that scrimmage I heard the IndyCar uh, sound effects. Yeah. So that's going to give that's going <laughs> to give the Pacers the advantage right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is it is going to be neat to see uh, just how they put the virtual signage and the logos on the floor. They're working with Microsoft Teams to have virtual fans, where literally a fan uh, can get on Teams and have their picture uh superimposed in the seats so yeah, it's, it, it, this is something we've never seen um I give a lot of credit to the NBA for for being able to pull this off again we're only a few weeks in we've not even started the games yet but yesterday the news came out uh, over 300 COVID-19 tests and every one of them was negative that means the bubble is working and Mm -hmm. Um, only the WNBA and MLS can really talk about that. That's why you're seeing all the issues in baseball. We have no idea what's going to happen in the NFL, let alone college sports, but the NBA has put themselves in a position to succeed and uh, all things are good right now.
0: And uh, Chris specifically talking about the Sixers, um, they have kind of changed things up as well. um, Moving Uh, Ben Simmons to the four and uh, having shake Milton start at point guard. And that's where the Pacers are going to get their first look um, at that new lineup on Sat. assuming that's what they go with um, for Saturday. So what kind of, I guess, um, things do you anticipate the Pacers trying to do um, with that new lineup? I know not having Sabonis in there. Um, and having Miles at the five, and you talked about going smaller. Um, do you see that maybe playing to the Pacers' benefit going smaller against that new Philly lineup, or how do you see that working out?
1: Well, a lot depends, too, on Joel Embiid. He's missed he's missed games uh, due to a yeah. confusion, so we'll just have to wait and see if he's available for them on Saturday. Um, if he's not, then they'd move Al Horford back into the starting lineup. Um, they're a better three-point shooting team, uh, even though Horford shoots the three pretty well as a, a big guy, but Shake Milton gives them um, some advantages out on the perimeter. Uh, Simmons, we know, is not a three-point shooter, but he'll still handle the ball, but just in a little bit different way. And I think you'll see him more in post-up situations. Um, the Pacers now are playing smaller, so that means T.J. Warren is at the four, so his responsibility uh, would be in dealing with Ben Simmons. Ben um, Simmons be interesting to watch uh, with Philadelphia, how it impacts part of, part of it to me is for Brett Brown, the head coach, it's almost a last ditch effort because I believe this, that if Philadelphia does not make it past the first round of the playoffs, I'm not sure Brett Brown is still the coach. And so he's trying to put his team in best position one to win,
0: but I also think to save his job. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you have anything else, uh, Tyler, that you want to ask Chris as we kind of wrap up? Uh, yeah, the
2: last thing I was thinking was uh, if you – I guess um, some people are wondering if there's going to be any big upsets because of the bubble, because of all the unknowns. Um, do you think, if you were guessing, would there be even one uh, – what, what people would consider a really big upset? I mean, you still got to play the full – you know, seven game series. So, um, it's, you know, I'm not sure we're going to see any upsets. Uh, it may play out fairly normal, um, where you may see, um, you know, maybe like smaller upsets is when, you know, later into the playoffs, but, uh, does your gut tell you that there's going to be a big one or do we think it'll be fairly normal?
1: Um, you know, as I look at the Western conference, I think that's probably where an upset could happen. Um, you know, right now Dallas is in seventh and they play the Clippers, and the Clippers have had all sorts of guys in and out of uh, uh, the bubble. Uh, we know the Lou Williams story, uh, but they've also had Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly with some family emergencies. I, I really like the Dallas Mavericks, so I, I could see something happening, happening there. Uh, the number six seed is Houston right now. They'd be matched up with Denver. Denver's had all kinds of issues with available players. So I think I could see more upsets in the West from a seeding standpoint to the east um right now i don't see number seven brooklyn or number eight orlando uh really having uh, any chance against milwaukee or toronto so i'd have to go to the west um i i don't think the nba probably um is is hoping for either a portland or a new orleans to get to that eight seed i mean they probably want new orleans they'd love to see a zion williamson uh LeBron James first round matchup. But I don't see any of those teams uh having the firepower to beat the Lakers. But yeah. I'd go to six or seven. Six or seven in the West. I think they they'd have a chance to move on.
0: Yeah. And just as we uh kind of wrap up here, Chris, I know we love talking about the Pacers, but we're also just casual NBA fans as well. And I know you talked about it um before we started the show. You've been just watching and- almost every basketball scrimmage you can when you're not calling the Pacers games and it gets it gets underway for real starting tonight um with Lakers Clippers and then Jazz and Pelicans I believe for those are the two games tonight then got games on Friday and then obviously the Pacers play on Saturday so I know we're all just looking to finally starting to watch some meaningful or Meaningful basketball as we kind of get ready for this eight-game schedule that's approaching us. Yeah, this is going
1: to be like uh, the NCAA tournament on steroids. Uh, (laughs) You know, during the NCAA tournament, you get that first Thursday and Friday and even Saturday and Sunday when you've got games on from, what, like noon to midnight. Well, Mm -hmm. that's literally going to be the situation in the NBA from tonight to August the 14th. I mean, two full weeks of games starting early afternoon uh, heading into the nighttime. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big Reds fan, and, and I'll watch as many Reds, fan, uh, Reds games as I can, but I'll be locked into the NBA. It, this will yeah. be a lot of fun as a basketball fan. Um, my dad was a high school coach. He was my high school coach at Westfield. So um, I've been around basketball since I was a little kid sitting on the bench. Um, I I can't wait uh, to watch some of these games and um, I I do think we're going to have some uh, dramatic outcomes uh, down in Orlando.
0: Well um, Chris we greatly appreciate your time today Um, as we kind of wrap up is there anything else you want to tell people out there about Pacers basketball just in general about what you're I know you're gearing up for a lot of Pacers basketball, but anything else you want to add? Well we'll have all
1: eight games on Fox Sports Indiana. Uh oh, well. We'll start with a half hour pregame show. So Saturday night, six thirty with Jeremiah Johnson and Eddie Gill from the Fox Loft. Uh, Quinn and I'll have the call at seven. We'll have a complete postgame show. So we'll do it for all eight regular season games. Um, and then the playoffs we're able to broadcast the first round of the playoffs. So um it, we just we just hope people will tune in. I think people are excited about seeing the restart. And uh, even though we won't be courtside in Orlando, I think when you t- turn a game on, you'll still get the feel like we're there. That's that's what our job is. And we'll do our best to do that.
2: Looking and, forward to it. No, nobody does it better than you and Quinn. Amazing team. Oh, well, so we appreciate it.
0: I was yeah. about to add that same sentiment. It You guys make like, I know you're in the Indiana studio and in Indianapolis and in Banker's Life calling the games, but it, you guys make it feel like we're watching it live, like you guys are right there courtside calling the games. You do a tremendous job, and I know I've told you that plenty of times, Chris, but we just can't wait to hear you and Quinn on the call again. Well, thank you,
1: guys. Uh, thanks for having me on, and hope we hopefully we can do it again
0: sometime soon. Sure. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Cody. Thanks, Tyler.